Certainly is a privilege for us to be here together today. Paul mentioned that there were some here that have been absent for a while. Uh, Gay is another face that is here today, Gay Henderson. We're very thankful that she can be with us. We're thankful for those of you who are joining us on Zoom, and we're glad that We also look forward to the time that we can see your face again here in the assembly. Again, thank you for being here today. I want us to consider this morning uh, the life of Solomon. You know, the Bible is given to us as instruction. It gives us examples. And I like from time to time to go back to the Old Testament. We can look at things there, and I think we can draw some great lessons from some people in the Old Testament, and Solomon is certain one, certainly one of those. The Bible says in 1 Kings 4, 29, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. The wisdom of Solomon is really indescribable. The Bible says that Solomon's wisdom was greater than all of the men of the East, greater than the wisdom of Egypt. You see, his wisdom wasn't compared only to individuals, but to whole countries. Because of his wisdom, he was blessed abundantly, and he accomplished great things through the power of God. The unique thing about Solomon's wisdom was that as long as he sought God, he was blessed. He departed from that. He sought worldly wisdom. He pursued worldly things. And it was then that things began to fall apart for himself his family, and the nation of Israel. And we can see that as we read through and we look at his life in 1 Kings. Uh, Ecclesiastes 2, verse 17, uh, Solomon saw that his life had become such a tragedy that he said in verse 17, Therefore I hated life, because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Now, this was Solomon, the, king, the son of King David. He led Israel from about 970 to 930 B.C. And as we will see, when he, as he pursued God, he was an amazing leader. I would encourage you to turn to, to the book of 1 Kings sometime, and it begins in chapter 4 with the, the birth or the life of Solomon and of him building the temple in Jerusalem. I would encourage you to read that. That's an amazing feat, an amazing thing to read about the glory of the temple that he built there. And specifically, I would direct you to chapter 8 in 1 Kings as he dedicated that temple. Solomon spoke before all Israel at that time, and the words that he used to describe God is just very beautiful. As he dedicated the temple to God, he spoke, and, and he, he spoke of the greatness of God. Solomon in his writings in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes speaks of the importance of pursuing after God and the blessings that come from it. Righteousness and honor. As we read throughout the book of Proverbs, we hear the wisdom of and the blessings which come from the relentless pursuit of God. But we also hear in the writings of Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes somewhat of a voice of regret. He says, listen to what I say. In other words, he says, I've been there and done that. Listen to me 
and learn from my mistakes. Don't make the same mistake that I made. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 18 says, For in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. Solomon knew that seeking worldly pursuits would lead us in the wrong direction. He is speaking of worldly knowledge, worldly wisdom, and he says that with it comes grief, heartache, and sorrow. I believe that this is a concept that our society just doesn't grasp. There is such a great contrast in worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. There's a very dangerous perception that I think is in our world today, and I hope that it's not something that becomes part of our, proce our thought process as Christians. But that is this, that we're all human. Sin is a part of human nature, and therefore we sin, so it's okay to sin. But God's Word directs us in a very different way. We've been led to leave, we have been led to believe by our society that sin has no consequence. But I believe that Solomon tells us something very different. He tells us that he's been there. Done that, and it's all useless. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, he said, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Notice the words of Solomon. He said, In all thy ways to acknowledge God. He tells us that with every fiber of our being that we should pursue God. And that to sum it all up, there is simply nothing that we can do that is of greater importance. You know, we may become rich like Solomon. The, the Bible speaks of his wealth and how it was just innumerable. We may have great influence around others, on people around us, but Solomon says that if we amass a great fortune, it is worthless if we do so without God. Let's read in Ecclesiastes 2, beginning in verse 18. Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto the man that should be after me. And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? Yet shall he have rule over all my labor wherein I have labored, and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun. This is also vanity. He uses the word vanity. Solomon knew that you can't take it with you. That word vanity in Hebrew means simply a vapor, a breath, all of these worldly things can be gone in an instant. You know, we can relate to that. We can go outside on a cold morning and when we exhale, we see our breath, but it's just a split second. It's there and it's gone. We can't get it back. We can't hold on to it. It's almost a day. They're gone in an instant. And so if we put our trust in those things. We are sadly misled. Solomon very simply and eloquently sums it up this way in Ecclesiastes 12, beginning in verse 13. He said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Again, the contrast is this. Worldly wisdom is gone in, in a flash. But godly wisdom will continue into eternity. That was his conclusion. 
look at the moment and see where he arrived at this conclusion. He said it's vanity. But how did he get there? What was it that, that he did? What was it that he practiced that led him to this understanding? Solomon tells us, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Solomon tells us that those who will have a broken life, those who will suffer in this life, have four things in common. And the first one is a priority and pleasure. You know, there's this mentality of do what I want to do. Eat, drink, and be happy. This idea of pursue whatever makes you happy. We see that in the religious world. People are seeking something that brings them fulfillment at the cost of, of obeying God. And that is a, a thought process that can be very dangerous to, to us. You know, Solomon sought pleasure in so many worldly things, and that's described in his life. <clears throat> Thank you very much. Someone said, excuse me, I'll have to get this worked out. <laughs> Let's go to Ecclesiastes 2, beginning in verse 10. Solomon said, And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on the, whole, on the works that my hands had wrought and the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, it was van vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun." Solomon simply says, I held nothing back. There were absolutely no boundaries in my life. He said, whatever I saw, whatever I wanted, that's exactly what I pursued. And he said in verse 11 that it was vain. It was like chasing the wind. So Solomon says, just go ahead and seek whatever you want, whatever you desire, set no boundaries for yourself, and you will experience what I experienced, a broken life. See, he's teaching us that there is no such, <clears throat> that there is so much more to life than self-gratification and that the consequences are grave. A second thing, as we look at the life of Solomon, a second thing that we see that goes along with a broken life, and that is success at all cost. Taking the God-given gifts of motivation and ambition attributes that are great if we use them to the glory of God, but turning them into something of a selfish nature. Rather than use our gifts to honor God, some people choose to overdo it, to spend too much time at work and business pursuits to the exclusion of godly things, thinking only of themselves. And he says that when we do that, we're going to suffer a broken life. Read with me from Ecclesiastes 4, beginning in verse 4. It says, again, I considered all travail and every right work, for this is, that for this a man is envied of his neighbor. This is also vanity and vexation of spirit. Let's read the same verse from the New King James Version. It says, again, I saw that for all toil and every skillful work, a man is envied by his neighbor. This also is vanity and grasping at the wind. I think that's an, a very interesting thought process, wording there, grasping at the wind. 
You know, success is such an elusive thing, and often it's just never enough. How many times do we see people that pursue worldly things, that pursue business, that pursue success, and it is never enough? It just eats them up, and they continue to want more and more and more, and it is never is something that's never, ever fulfilled in their life. That's the danger. success in this life. Matthew 16, 26 says that if we gain the whole world and lose our soul, we've simply lost it all. <clears throat> if we are driven by worldly success, envious of what others have, our time is wasted and we suffer a broken life. The third thing that we see uh, common uh, where we see people that have a broken life is isolation, avoiding relationships, and a especially uh, those that we seek in a godly manner. I think of Solomon and the relationships that he had. The Bible tells us that he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. He pursued relationships that led him in the wrong direction, and God had warned him of this. God warned him that they would take his and turn his soul away from God, but he sought those relationships anyway. We need to seek the proper relationships Every relationship that we involve ourselves in makes us vulnerable in some ways. There are risks involved when we enter into these relationships. And there's times that we're simply going to get hurt, but we can't allow that to cause us to draw back. We need to continually pursue godly relationships. We need to be a working and an integral part of this congregation. We, if we don't, we open ourselves up to all kinds of of difficulties. Again, let's think about Solomon. He was famous for his wisdom. No, no. I think probably Solomon at times felt very used because people sought his wisdom, but then they were gone. We need to seek godly relationships, and we need to do that uh, with, with all of our heart. Uh, Psalms, let's go to Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him. We use it often in many ceremonies, and that's good. But the principle is true in all of our relationships. You know, we can draw strength and encouragement in all meaningful relationships. We find that we are far more vulnerable when we are alone. If we don't build godly relationships, then the only one there when we fall is Satan himself. We are stronger and we are more productive when we build those relationships with others that are centered around God. He goes on in verse 12 to say that a threefold cord is not quickly broken. We cannot be successful alone. But true success is found in a relationship with godly people and with God at the very center of that relationship. If we suffer a broken life, it's because we disconnect ourselves from others who should be very important to us. Disconnect from God and we suffer great danger. There are simply some relationships that we cannot do without. 
The fourth thing that is common with a broken life is that of rejecting godly knowledge. How often is it that we seek counsel in the wrong places? We make the same mistake that Rehoboam did uh, that he made in, in 1 Kings chapter 12. I think no doubt we can see the effects of what happened with Solomon on his own son. As you read there, we find that uh, Rehoboam was asking those around him for advice. He went to the old men and he asked him, he said, how do I rule pe God's people well? How do I make this thing work? And they said, you be their servant, you make their burden lighter. He went to the young men of his generation and asked their advice. They said, make it harder. You know, and we see that it was a disaster. His, his reign was such a disaster. We must seek the right answers and the right application. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 1 says, Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth the little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. I can't help but think about Solomon as he probably looked at his life and, and such a distasteful uh, word picture that he came up here with here. He said, dead flies in the ointment cause it to stink. Something that was used for a good purpose, but it has become spoiled because of choices that had been made. We must seek godly wisdom. And it's not just about having knowledge, it's about having the knowledge and the, and the wisdom to apply it. You know, there are those that are extremely smart and we can go and we can be educated, we can be extremely intelligent, but if we don't possess the practical knowledge in how to apply that, it's really useless to us. We've got to have common sense. We've got to have the knowledge and then know how to make application of it. Proverbs 24, verse 14 says, So shall the knowledge of wisdom be unto thy soul when thou hast found it. Then there shall be a reward, and thy expectation shall not be cut off. There's a great difference in knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is useful. You, excuse me. Knowledge is useless if we don't possess the wisdom to apply it. When we seek knowledge in the right place, and use wisdom to put it to use, we will be blessed and the consequences will be pleasant. It's so easy for us to suffer. Bad choices, short-term choices, hasty decisions can have long-reaching consequence. I go back to what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13. He said, fear God and keep his commandments. I would encourage all of us to think about our future and the coming judgment. There will be absolutely no secrets, nothing that is hidden from God. Our lives are laid open in front of him. I think of an open book. Our life is just that before God. It's an open book. Ecclesiastes 12 and 1 says, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. 
Young people, you won't be young forever. At any given time, I invite you to look around at those around you. Those who are older were once young. I would encourage you as young people to remember your creator. Remember who you are. Remember to whom you belong. And don't forget to apply godly wisdom. Look past the present moment. This environment that we live in of self-gratification, it is so extremely destructive. I would encourage you, seek out relationship with God's people, people that will hold you accountable and lift you up. I'm not talking about the, sup the superficiality of our world today, but I'm going to ask you to get personally connected with godly people that will make you stronger and not tear you down. Solomon said, remember your creator while you're young. Don't just squeeze him in. Don't do it in your spare time. That word remember in Hebrew means to act decisively and with fervor. Know where you're going and whose side you're on. Never compromise your morals. It concerns me greatly. And it saddens me to see young people that make such flippant and casual decisions about their lives. They make very intimate choices, risky behavior, and experimenting with sexual relationships outside of marriage seem to be the norm in our society. But it should never be named among Christians. Think about your daily choices. How much time do you have left? Have any of us been given a promise of old age? Again, I've, I, let's look at, at Solomon, and I think as, as he drew to the end of his life, he looked back at his own choices. He looked at the things that he had done and the consequences of them, and he speaks of the aging process and ultimately of death in Ecclesiastes 12, beginning in verse 2. And let's read there. He says, while the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened nor the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble and the strong men shall bow themselves and the grinders cease because they are few and those that look out of the windows be darkened and the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Also, when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fears shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail. Because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about in the streets, or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. A very sobering reading. Solomon talks about old age, the senses failing, things slowing down, sight getting bad our hearing going away. He reminds us that life is short. You and I are commanded to be an example. 
There are so many around us that have led godly lives that we can look to and appreciate and model after as they followed Christ. Psalms 90 and verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. One of my favorite verses, and I hope that we'll all take that to heart. Let's number our days. Remember that our time is short. You know, broken lives are self-centered lives. We live in a society that's all about me. It's all about what I want. People think they're irresistible, indestructible, invincible, irreplaceable, and independent. That's, that's really the mindset that a lot of people have, and that's, that's what our culture promotes, that it's all about me. It's do what you can do, get what you can get at all costs. We've fallen in love with I. I make the rules. I chart my own course. I don't need God. There are those that think that, that their philosophy is, I'm going to do whatever makes me happy. We've fallen prey to this ludicrous thought process. But Solomon said that there is nothing new under the sun, and that's so true. He speaks to our culture today. Man was then and today caught up in things that will cause great heartache and difficulty. But you and I are called to be different. Don't break what God has given you. Don't break your life. The good news is that Christ is able to mend broken lives, and he invites you to come to him and live differently. He offers a much better way. 1 John 4 verse 9 says, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. We have been given the opportunity. We've been given the privilege to live through Christ. The next verse goes on to say that this was not because we loved God. It wasn't God's response to us because we loved first, but it says that he loved us and gave his son to be payment for our own sins. I encourage you this morning to take account of your life. We're beginning a new year. People often look at this as a time to make adjustments, and I would invite us all to do that. Look into your own heart. Let's all take assessment of our lives and the choices that we make. And if you're here this morning and subject to the gospel call, the invitation song is number 336. I would invite you to turn your books to that number. If you're here this morning and you uh, have been taught and would like to be obedient, if you're here today and the prayers of the brethren here could be of assistance to you, we would ask you to come as we sing this song of invitation number 336.